I am going to do a shameless plug right now. You guys, I want to encourage you if you know anybody. So my husband and I, a part of what we do, we have a church called the Grace Place NYC. We currently have our church in West Harlem, known as Hamilton Heights, also known as Sugar Hill. Those of my 90s R&B rap people, Sugar Hill, do you remember? <laughs> they're, they're the, they're, that's where they originated from. Um, we love Harlem. We love where God's called us to be and serve. Um, we also have a nonprofit. Is anybody familiar with the Dream Center in L.A.? Anybody? So we have the honor and the privilege of running a dream center in New York City. It is an incredible, incredible ministry. We have five sites now, right, where we serve weekly um, as food pantries. So we have a... um, warehouse in Long Island City where every Saturday we have packing parties where we partner with different corporations, different businesses, and they come and volunteers will come and volunteer and pack boxes of food. We get food donations. They'll spend their Saturday volunteering to pack those food, the boxes of food. And then throughout the week in two sites in Chelsea, two sites um, in Harlem, or three sites in Harlem now, Am I getting that wrong? Um, So we uh, pass out boxes of food. Sometimes there are... So there's a lot of food insecurity right now, especially after COVID. Still a lot of people in need. And so we have the Dream Center. We also have a leadership program where we have Bible school students. We train and prepare them for ministry. And so here's my plug. If you know anybody, any young people who are looking to take a gap year, are looking to be in ministry, send them our way. Let let them know that we're here called the leadership program. We also do short-term missions throughout the year. If you are looking to take a group, we would love to host you in New York City. We'd love to have you be a part of what we do um, in the low-income housing and packing out pa- packing food and passing them out. It's street ministry. We do street evangelism. We're out there really trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus and meeting with people. We have a mom. Um, Cheyenne is currently with us. We love her. She's, she, she brave and sent your baby. I get it. And you know what? I, I understand now because now I'm like, oh, I don't know if I would do that. I'm like, I don't want my kiddos to go anywhere, but you, you, you learn to let go, I guess. Um, you know, and so we also actually, we have Becky here, Becky Caskell. She's our executive director at New York City at the Grace Place. We are so thankful for her. She is a absolute blessing to Pastor Stephen and I. We really couldn't do what we do without her. Um, and so I just want to encourage you, um, bring your groups, you know, gather a group together. So you know what? In the summer, I want to take a group of people over. Use it as, you, know, you do whatever you want with your vacation. Okay, I don't want to tell you what to do. But maybe, you know, like, hey, why don't we all take our vacation together and go serve in New York City? Come, you know, come help us love on people um, in the city. And so I just want to encourage you to check that out on our website and check out everything that we have going on. Um, so... This is going to get, the title of my message is called The Struggle is Real. Um, again, I'm, I think I can keep it together. I'm pretty pregnant and hormonal, so I do cry at the drop of the hat at any point. So um, they are true emotions, but heightened. <laughs> Real tears, but more than what they normally would be. Um, so yeah, the title of my message is The Struggle is Real, and it's this message has really truly been birthed out of 
um, the season that I'm living currently. This isn't a message that I wrote that happened years ago and what I've come through and something God's brought me through. It's currently something that I'm living right now. It's currently how I feel. Um, and it's just the reality. It's the reality of the ebb and flow of walking with the Lord. Sometimes you walk with the Lord and you feel him and you feel his presence. And then there are seasons when you feel nothing and you rely on just knowledge, knowing, God, I know you're good. I might not hear you right now. I might not feel you right now, but I know because of where you've taken me before. Kind of like in our previous message, right? Because of what you've already done for me, you've got nothing more to prove. I'm just going to believe. And so... I'm just going to start with being really vulnerable with you guys today. I'm struggling right now, like currently in the season of life that I am, I'm struggling. There are certain aspects of my life right now that I feel like, God, where are you? And then there are aspects of my life where I feel him as close as the next breath. A part of the grace of the season of unanswered prayers and needs is this sweet little girl growing inside me. It reminds me that only a magnificent, intentional, holy, grand creator can do something like this. And that's a knowledge in the season of struggle that's grounding me. It, it, it really, it is. It's just reminding me that, God, you are a miracle worker. And, and, and though I might feel alone and that your favor might have left me, you're doing something good. In this season... I'm experiencing a depth of sadness that I can literally feel it in my body. I feel it like in my bones. I've never felt this way before. I've lived through so much turmoil and trauma, and my faith in Jesus has always been intact and growing. But right now in this time in my life, I find myself questioning, what are you, what are you doing, God? I feel like I have no control over what's happening, and I feel like I have no say of certain things happening in my life. I'm someone, and and if you know me, even a little bit, all of my life that I can remember, I make things happen. No door is too bolted, no mountain is too high, no obstacle is too insurmountable, no airplane ticket is unchangeable at no cost. I, (laughs) I can... I can talk my way into anything. I can talk my way into making things happen. I don't hear no often. And if I hear it, that is, who's a Clueless fan? Anybody watch Clueless? She's like, there's like a line where she's like, no is just a jumping off point for negotiations. (laughs) That's how I feel about the word no. It's It's just negotiation time. I could always find a way. And a part of where a good amount of my frustration is stemming from, for whatever reason, in this time of my life, it doesn't seem to be working. I'm a natural-born hustler, and I feel like my skills are gone. (laughs) So it's a very frustrating space to be. And I can't help but feel like God is the cause of it. Circumstances that I'm being asked to walk through... And he's asking me to go through without the skills that I'm used to. He's saying, can you go through this season in your life without these things that you're used to having to make things happen? Can you just go through them? 
And though I can't relate to having a sinless life like Jesus, he offers us a wide open door to how he handled and got through situations that he had to walk through and not be delivered from. And that I can certainly relate to. So I would like to focus most of our time in the scriptures of Luke 22, 39 through 46. And it says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like the great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. I wonder what was running through the mind of Jesus at that moment. Was his mind racing with every promise God spoke over him? The public declaration of his favor when he was baptized. The ability to calm storms and walk on water, make the blind see, and get the, get the healed sick were all abilities clearly granted by his heavenly father. The person of which the scripture is written, he will command his angels concerning you, asks the father to rescue him from what's to come, and the response is a resounding no. Did Jesus respond with, but you said. You said that not, not, not a bit of my foot would hit the ground. You spoke favor over me. You said I'm your son whom, whom I am well pleased. You said Did his favor with the father run out? When Jesus asked, can you pass this cup for me? And God responds with no. I do believe it's a temptation he prepared for. Jesus did. With solitude and prayer with God. Do you feel like your favor with God has run out? And if I'm honest with you today, this is a major mind and heart battle that I'm currently walking through. And at the same time, I don't believe I've done my best to set myself up the way that Jesus did. Jesus set himself up in those moments of doubt with time spent with the Father and prayer. And I don't know if I've done my best at that. And here in Luke, you see Jesus encouraging his disciples multiple times to get up and pray so that they will not fall into temptation. He knew what was coming. Jesus knew the struggle and he knew what had to be done to be able to get through it. I have one point in this message, no multiple points, just one. And it's this, God might be requiring you to walk through it, not be delivered from it. What stands out most to me in the portion of scripture in Luke is this verse. Father, if you are willing, remove the cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like grape drops of blood falling down to the ground. Notice the order of events. I never noticed the order of events before. 
Number one, he asks the father to remove his plans from him. That happened. The second thing that happened, God answers no with an angel coming to strengthen him for what's to come. Then number three, after he's strengthened by the angel, he continues in agony to the point of sweating. After the angel came and strengthened him, he continued in agony. I think that's odd. What a weird, what, what an interesting way that was placed. It wasn't, I'm in agony, sweating in blood. The angel came and strengthened me. It was, the angel came and strengthened him, and he continued in his agony. Being strengthened for a circumstance and still feeling very deeply are not mutually exclusive. Both can be true at the same time. The word says that the angel came to strengthen Jesus, but his agony still continued. Being able to walk through a struggle all depends on perspective, and it depends on the knowledge of God's character and love. Depends on our belief and trust in his will and plan for our life, no matter what lies before us. Jesus still trusted, even through feeling of deep sorrow, pain, and agony. Sometimes we ask God to deliver us and strengthen us, and we feel good, but we still feel sad, and we still feel anxious, and we still have agony, and we're still frustrated, and we think, God, it didn't work. Feelings are feelings. We're going to have them. You're human. You're going to feel pain. You're going to feel angry. You're going to feel sorrowful. But that doesn't mean that God's absent because all of a sudden you're emotionless. That's not human. That's not to be a human. That's to be a, a robot. He didn't ask us to be a robot. Can you trust God even though you're feeling sad? Even though what's happening is still happening I, my, I remember it's a, it's a really, really incredible advice or encouragement that was given to my husband um, by Ceci Gonzalez. Um, Stephen went, was going through cancer. Um, he's gotten two bouts of cancer and has beaten it twice, praise the Lord, cancer-free. Um, and the first time she'd come up to him, because she was also a cancer survivor, and she said, It takes more faith to go through cancer than it is to be healed from it. To continue to trust God through it and to walk through it. It takes more faith to hold on to a good father and continue to believe that he's still good and that he's still loving and he's still faithful. Even in that. One of of the best things I've ever heard that that, that can transcend beyond. I mean, that, that just blankets so much. Who we believe God to be is everything. And the only way to truly have a good grasp on that rests on our own personal time spent with him, praying and meditating on God's word. Time with him equates to knowing him. If you want to have a good perspective of Jesus, read your word. If you want to have a good perspective of the Father, pray. Get alone with him. The practicalities of this word, the word that I'm giving to you today, lie solely in this. Get alone with God. Struggling in this life without his sustaining grace is completely unnecessary. You don't have to do that. You have access, even now, 
to the creator of the heavens and earth, the one who set the stars um, in the sky, the one who's created um, the sun and the moon and makes everything rotate properly. It's, it's amazing. When you just think about space, it actually scares me. My kids, I tell them all the time, you're not allowed to be astronauts. You're not going up there. I'm like, that's crazy. I don't even want to go. I would never go up there. I'm like, I win a trip? No. The answer is no. Do you have a cash value? <laughs> I'll take the cash value of that moon trip. <laughs> no way. But God, who is incredible, who causes seasons and blooms, like the trees die and then they come back to life on time, right? On a certain timetable, the, the, the nature obeys God. We have access to him right now. That's crazy to me. Somebody that big and magnificent and holy says, you can, you can have me anytime you want me. I am accessible to you at all times. If you're finding yourself in a place where a way out is not looking like it's coming, surrender might be your only option. I don't know about you, but when I feel like I'm about to lose things or things are beginning to slip through my fingers, my self-preservation instincts kick in. They go into high gear. And there are just certain times in our life where God asks us to lose. He asks us to let go. Mark 8.35 says this. For what, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. I'm about to give birth in about six weeks. And I know to each their own, but I like to give birth without any medication. Completely natural. I really do. I like it. <laughs> I know it's weird, but it's, it's what it is. I look back at both my labors with Boston and with Avia, and during those labors, I have very fond, endearing mem- memories. I don't. I look back during labor, and I'm like, man, that was a good time. <laughs> I, I don't. It, I, it's just what it is. I have really good memories of my husband and me working together through each contraction, um, and just. I don't know how to explain it. it it's just really great. <laughs> But in order for me to accomplish my goal of an all-natural birth, I made a plan that no matter what, I would not let the words epidural leave my lips. And so with my first birth, that was my plan. I'm not going to say the word epidural because I, I, I want to do this. I'm, like, I'm just resolved. And so I made a plan. I wasn't going to say anything with my first birth. But with each contraction that got stronger, I'm like, shoot. <laughs> I'm about to break my own promise. So I'm like, I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> as, 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 you know, as you get closer to delivery, the contractions get stronger and closer together and you don't get a break. All right. And so you, they start out small and like, oh, okay. I'm like that's, that's interesting. I can handle that. Then it gets stronger and you're like, okay. Then you start, your mood starts to change. You get more quiet. You're not laughing anymore. You're like, don't touch me. No, touch me. <laughs> like, massage me. No, don't, don't, don't look me. Don't look at me. You know, you're like, it's kind of, you're just super schizophrenic. But I made the promise. I'm not going to say epidural. So then at one point I remember like sitting, I, I was laboring on, uh, I hate even saying this cause I'm super like you guys, if you know me too, I'm like bathroom humor is like not my, not my thing. I have, I've, um, 
I've got like a, I've got like a routine when I go to bathrooms, like public bathrooms, it's really OCD and not normal. So I won't go into the details of, of my, my, my private shame. Um, <laughs> I just, I can't do bathrooms. I can't do I'll, I'll I, anyway, I'll stop. Um, so I'm sitting on the toilet laboring because contractions on the toilet really, they, they actually work. So you just sit on the toilet and it kind of opens you up the way that you're sitting a little bit more. So I'm staring into Steven's eyes and I'm like, maybe I can like in my eyes, like maybe he'll read my mind. So I'm like staring at him hardcore saying like epidural, epidural, epidural. Like maybe he'll say, do you want one? <laughs> and I won't have to say anything, but yes, I wouldn't say the word. He did not, we were not on the same page. (laughs) He didn't read my mind. He didn't know me like I thought he knew me. And so I'm in active labor, just staring hard into his eyes. And he just, it didn't, it didn't, he didn't catch on. So I had to make a choice in the moment to surrender to the contractions, to just let it happen. And so I let them do its job and I just decided I'm not going to fight it anymore and not try to figure out a way out of it to just surrender. So I closed my eyes and invited Jesus into it. And I just went limp with every contraction. I just relaxed every muscle, every face muscle. And I just closed my eyes and just, it just said, this contraction is doing its job. It is not something that's trying to harm me. It's not something that's trying to kill me. It's trying to give me what I want. And so I just let it happen. And I let Jesus, we prayed, we had worship music on. We were just praising God through it all. And I just let it do its job. With each intense contraction, I would go limp. I would meditate and I would meditate on his presence in his word. There was still pain and uncomfortability but the surrender made it manageable. And maybe that's you today. You are fighting and trying to figure it out all on your own because you feel like God has left you or has removed favor from you when really what's being required of you is surrender. Here are some examples of biblical surrender. In the words of Jesus, he says, But nevertheless, your will, not mine. In the words of Paul, the apostle, he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in your weakness. In the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said this, your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from the roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. We still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. These are powerful words of surrender that can only be developed in the quiet place and be made strong in the quiet place. In the place where it's just you and the Father and a place where all your guards are lowered and it's safe to hide nothing because he already knows everything and still loves you. You're safe there. There is not a thing you can hide from him. So when you enter into the quiet place with Jesus, there's no facade, 
There's no game you have to play. He already sees it. He already knows it. You can lower your guard and just say, I, you loved me. You love me still. Romans 5.8 says this. God clearly shows and proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you and me, and we were enemies to him. And he still said, I will do this for you. That's the God you'll meet when you're alone. That's the God you'll meet at the quiet place. That's the God you'll meet in your alone time. That's the God you'll meet when you pray. And here's some reality. Sometimes anger and frustration towards God in a struggling season can get the better of us. If bitterness has creeped in and you are starting to feel some anger towards God in this season, here's a portion of scripture that if you allow it, it can bring some relief to your soul. I my husband and I, we are on a call. We do this call every other week um, for church planters, and they train us in the city and, and just kind of give us a little bit more insight and training as we're planting a church. And um, one of the facilitators had read this scripture because we were all to pastors just being real, talking about the struggle in the city and, and pastoring. Um, and he read this scripture and it didn't even have to do really like the con- the topic had to do with what I was feeling. Um, but it really spoke to me and I truly felt healing, like just warmth come over my body and God saying this, this is a healing scripture for you. And I truly, and I'm praying. So if this is you today, I, I want, as I read and you feel like I'm struggling so far, you've hit all of these marks. I'm feeling this way. I just want you, as I'm reading the scripture, close your eyes and just write. And, and if that's you, just, you can even lift your hands a little bit and just say, Jesus, let this word sink in deep. I'm going to read it right now. Psalm 73, 21 through 26. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom and I have whom in heaven have I but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The writer is saying, I'm bitter towards you, God. I'm a beast towards you. I'm mad. I'm angry. And yet you hold my hand. He's holding his hand. Sometimes we feel angry with God and we're blaming him and we're bitter towards God and we feel like we need to take a moment from you. I'm going to walk away. You can't handle what I'm going about to throw at you. God isn't your, like your human friend or your husband or your kids. Like, he doesn't react to our pain the way that we would react when someone says they're bitter towards us. We're like, who do you think you are? You hurt me too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sometimes we can react to one another um, in a way that sets us up to thinking that God would react to us that way. But God can handle your bitterness. He can handle your anger. He can handle your frustration. He can handle your doubt. You can go with him to your doubt and say, I don't even think you're real right now. Are you real? 
I remember there was a time, um, this was a few years ago, and um, I had a really bad mom moment. I apologized to my kids. I'm like, man, that was, I, I went to them and I apologized and I said, look, what you did was wrong, okay, and it deserves consequences, but what I did was wrong. You didn't deserve the words that I said to you. You didn't deserve the anger that I lashed out on you. Mom's sorry. Mommy's sorry. You didn't deserve that. You don't, you, you don't deserve to be spoken to the way that I spoke to you. I'm so sorry. Their little faces look up at you, and they are so receiving of apology, which makes you feel even worse. <laughs> You're like, God, you have to be so sweet right now. Like, it doesn't make me feel even worse. They're like, you're the best mom. I'm like, I'm really not. Like, this was really ugly. Like, I was just really awful. And so they go to school, and I just broke down, face down on my carpet, just bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, they're going to have to go through a lot of therapy. (laughs) Set up like a fund, a therapy fund for these kids. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I'm just crying and crying and crying. And and then I just stop, and I just had this quick moment. It was really bizarre. And I said, God, do I believe you're real? It didn't even have to do anything with what I was going through or, like, that moment. It was just this really weird moment of, like, are you, am I, are you real? Like, is all of this nonsense? Like, is any of this true? And so I'm laying there, and I feel God speak to me and say, I want you to pray in tongues. And so I started praying using my heavenly language, and it just flowed out of me. And he was like, did you, is that from you? I was like, there's no way I made that up. (laughs) I just couldn't, like, create that. I'm not smart enough or, like, creative enough or even silly enough to, like, to say, to let my tongue utter things like that. The Holy Spirit is so key in your life. And, and, and again, no pressure to like, if you don't have a prayer language, if you don't speak in tongues, please hear me. Don't think that that's what you have to do in order to believe that God's real. I believe it's a gift and it's free for everybody. But for me in that moment, it wasn't something that I could say, yes, it's a badge on my Christian sash that I speak in tongues. It wasn't that. It was God using that as a tool to say, you know, I'm real. You know. You know I'm real. Look at the things in your life that God's done for you. And use those to encourage you when you feel like you're not getting it from anywhere. There's going to be times, I tell this to my kids too, I try to prepare them. And I said, there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to be mad at mom and dad. No one, you're going to feel so alone. You're going to feel like you have nobody. You're going to feel like nobody understands you. It's probably going to be more in your teenage years. It's going to happen. But you're going to feel that way. But I need you to know that God will always be there. Mom and dad might not. We might fail you. Your teachers might fail you. Your friends might fail you. You might feel all alone, but you're not. That's a lie from the devil. And I I tell them that periodically. I need to prepare you for that because it's not reality to think that just because he's got two good Christian parents, both Boston and Avia, that they're not ever going to feel hurt by us. And so I wanted to prepare them. One day you're going to feel all alone. You're not. That's a lie. If you feel all alone today, you're not. That's a lie. That's a lie. He's lying to you. The devil's lying to you. He's got you convinced of something that's absolutely not true. Jesus is here for you. God is here for you. And regardless if you feel harm or not, does not change that fact. 
He's here for you. Here are some personal truths. I'm hurting and I'm frustrated and I'm sad. And at the same time, while fighting these accusatory thoughts towards God, I'm refusing to shut him out. I lean into his comfort and his love, and I allow him to hold my hand and walk me through this season. Because it's just a season. It won't always be like this. He strengthened Jesus to be able to walk through sacrificing himself for the whole world's salvation. I can certainly trust that God will strengthen me to walk through what I'm going through. The practical application of this message is simple, but it's not easy. So many of so many things in and for people in this earth can set itself up as our relief, right? There's so many things in this world that can set itself up for relief. And I'm not knocking the self-care. Look, I like to get those massages over in the mall with the people in the middle. You're talking about, you like walk by and you 10 minutes for $15. Double it. (laughs) Double my time. And one time we went and this never happened to me before. And I'm really like, uh, I'm, it's, it's hot outside and I've got sleeves to my wrists. I'm very, I'm typically pretty covered up. That's just how I've been. My mom's like that. My sister's like, that's just, it's what it is. I'm not, not saying that for any like religious purposes. I'm just, it's just what it is. I that's how I like to dress anyway. So I'm getting this massage and you know, they're massaging you. You're out in the middle. People are walking all around you. And then all of a sudden my shirt goes up. <laughs> they lift your shirt, the whole shirt. And my back's just out there. And I'm like really embarrassed. And then I'm like, but this feels really good. So, so I don't know anybody. <laughs> just, just let it happen. Just let it go. I'm going to walk through this, Lord, for you. Got to get through it. I'm going to get through it for the Lord. My time of embarrassment and shame. And I'm like, it feels so good. <laughs> I'm like, so there I am with my shirt fully lifted, my bra strap exposed, but it just was like, it's worth it. I paid $15 for this 15 minutes. And they won't stop the time, you know? I'm like, I'm not going to waste one minute. Anyway, that went another place I didn't plan for that to go. Okay, I've got to get my bearings. Where was I? <laughs> so, <laughs> there are so many things in life, right? that can set itself up as our relief. Um, Self-care, that's where I was going. Self-care. We hear that a lot. That's like a buzzword right now. Self-care. We all believe in self-care. We all want to take care of ourselves. We want to have some me time. I'm not knocking that. Get yourself some me time. I've got two kids. I'm, I'm not saying that those are bad in and of itself. But we have to fight those things to not be set up as the thing that we think brings us full and complete relief. No one can rescue you or strengthen you like he can. No one. Jesus spoke clearly and plainly in Luke to his disciples on how to avoid temptation. And he says, rise and pray. Two things, rise and pray. I'm going to challenge you 
And trust me when I say I need this challenge more than you know. But I do challenge you to make an unmovable habit of prayer and solitude with God. We have all kinds of habits that create, that we create and protect. Like the gym. Right? Sometimes we guard that like nothing else. We we, we arrange our whole day around the gym. We get up at a certain time. Nothing is going to get in the way. We've made a habit. Again, all good. Be healthy. Date nights. Nothing gets in the way of our date nights. That's important to our marriage. We've got to do it. We've created a habit and we protect it. Showers. (laughs) Protect that. (laughs) Create that if you haven't. You should shower and protect it. Protect us. Morning runs. We got to get out there. It's how I get exhilarated. It's how I get, you know, get my day started. Not me. (laughs) Certainly not. Never. Never me. (laughs) Never. You'll never catch me running for just fun. That's crazy. (laughs) Social media. We all have habits of social media. First thing when we get up in the morning, we scroll. Last thing we do before we go to bed, we scroll. Going to work. That's a habit we, we create and protect. We all clearly have the ability to create habits and keep them. Every single one of us. So fight to create and keep the habit of solitude and prayer. It's the one and only habit that can and will sustain you in all seasons. The only habit, the only thing. Gym time might let your body look really good, but again, God's not going to be like, let me see those abs before you get in here. Okay? Not going to happen. It's just not. You might live a little longer and healthier and walk without hurting more than a couple blocks, which is probably why I should start running. (laughs) But there's nothing that God has. Like, there's nothing here on this earth. Again, the blessings that God gives us here on this earth that are temporal. We focus more of our time. We focus more on the blessings than the one that gives us the blessing. We set those up as idols. We worship them and we protect them. And we refuse to let God mess up our schedule. Fight and protect the habit of solitude and prayer and meditation on your word. You have to. That is a non-negotiable in the Christian faith. You can't do it without it. You can't. And if you think you can, I I tell this to our staff all the time. If you are doing Jesus things without Jesus, you will hate those things. If you are doing Jesus things working in ministry, greeting, doing anything in the name of the Lord without his presence and without his support, you will then be bitter. You'll begin to wonder why do good things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people in ministry? And it's like, well, you, you, you do things without protection. You're not guarding yourself. The devil loves that. He loves when people go into ministry and don't spend time with the one that's called us to it. It's a quick way to be bitter towards the Lord. Going to church, even if, even if it all it is is going to church on Sunday and you do that without the personal presence of God in your life, you'll start to 
listen to the pastor and be like, this isn't feeding me anymore. Maybe you're not feeding yourself. You got to feed yourself. You can't just rely on Sunday morning to get you through Monday through Sunday again. We tell her, you know, we, we, we tell people all the time, you know, like you have free permission. You know, I could, could be up here preaching heresy. I could be up here not like making all of this up and you're eating it up. How do you know what I said is from the word of God? How do you know? Know for yourself. The word of God says, test the spirits, test me. Write the scriptures down that I said and go read them for yourself and say, was she telling truth? And maybe, you know, maybe it'll be accident if I do something heretical. Okay. (laughs) When you use the scripture in the wrong way, it was an accident, I promise. Or confront me. I don't know. I, I can take a good confrontation. But find out for yourself. On Sunday morning, you come and you sit and you receive. What is... God can say something to you beyond that moment on Sunday too. He can continue to let that word marinate and speak to you and change you and continue through your week. It can get you through further than the Sunday morning. But if all we want is a Sunday morning experience, all you're going to get is a Sunday morning God. That's it. There's so much more to him than that. To know him personally is a life changing. It changes everything. I want to pray for you today and I would like you know if you're in ministry and any of the staff to come we want to pray for you today if you feel like that's you this morning if you feel like God I'm struggling and I want to know you more and I, I don't want to be like this I want to be able to learn to get through my struggles I don't want to break every time something doesn't go my way I don't want to fall and and crumble to the ground every time a prayer doesn't get answered in the way that I wanted it to. I want to have a foundation in you that's stronger than that. I really believe he wants to do that in you today. I believe that God wants to get closer to you and know you more intimately and personally than what you ever had before. We want to pray for you today. And so we're going to continue in worship. And if you need prayer this morning, please come meet us here at the altar. Meet Jesus at the altar. We're, we're just vessels. We're, we're going to pray for you, but we're, we're, we're just here to support you in your choices. Stand with you as you stand before the Father and say, I want all of you. I don't want just a little bit of you. I want all, I want all the promises you said you were going to give me. I want all the words you spoke over me.